Good afternoon, Hope Church. Um, there's something that happens when you're kind of part of what's going on in the Sunday service that you kind of look at what God's doing. Like, I haven't communicated with Veronica this week. Um, even though Hannah and I live together, I, I didn't know the song she was singing. But I just, it's just, it's so like God to kind of tie everything together um, and just make it into everything he wants. And so even today, I, I got to admit, I, I feel a little bit discombobulated. I don't know if it's because of all the turkey. Uh, we had Kalbi with that too. I don't know if it's because I went to sleep on th- Thanksgiving Thursday night and woke up and there were Christmas lights everywhere. I don't know what's going on, but there is a little bit of uh, just a lot of thoughts going on in my mind and we'll just see how God brings everything together. Um, one of the things that I really loved about Thanksgiving this year was just being with people, being with my family. Uh, and I, I love my niece. If you guys follow Instagram, you guys know that that's like one of the, my favorite things to post about. Um, and it, it's just, it just so reminds me of God as a father to us. My niece is running around asking for grapes or mangoes or she wants to try all of these different things. And the next thing I know, I'm picking up the grapes that she's dropping on the floor. And, you know, just, it's such a good picture of what I believe God wants to be for us. Um, I think a lot of times we think we're doing so many wonderful things for God. I get into this habit of thinking that I'm doing all of these things, and I look back, and as I'm giving thanks, it's really God just picking up our mess and putting things together and making things into what they're supposed to be, right? Um, And so that's what I'm incredibly thankful for. Um, I saw, I think it might have been Pastor Q, but Pastor Q will post all of these like one-liners on Facebook, and they just hit me so deep. And uh, I think there was one this week that really stood out. And it was, I've heard it several times before, but, but for whatever reason, this week it did hit me a little bit harder. Um, and I'm not going to stand here and pretend like I don't make mistakes. I make mistakes quite frequently. But this quote, I read it again, and I just realized, like, this is what God wants for us. Um, and the quote says something along the lines of this, that uh, religion says that when you mess up, religion says my dad's going to kill me. But relationship says, when I mess up, I need to call my dad because he's going to help me. Something along those lines, right? Um, And I feel like that's kind of where I've been, just asking God to come and clean up my mess and kind of put things together. And I feel like he's going to do that. So um, I have a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of scripture behind what I want to talk to you guys about today. Uh, Just try to stay with me. Um, Today's message is about hoping again. And if you have any question about why I decided to use that as my sermon title picture, you're not going to get an explanation. I don't know why I decided to choose it. It's just the only one that looked so different from all the pictures when I looked it up on Google. So this is the one that I decided to go with. Um, we are in the first week of Advent. And I think the reason why people love Christmas and the season of Christmas so much is because it's a spiritual practice for the nation to practice hope. For the church, obviously, our hope is found in Jesus, right? That this is a season where we remember that Jesus came to us, that God came directly to us, to earth. He came and he saved us. But even in a secular sense, Christmas is a time where people practice hope. Whether you're uh, receiving hope, uh, whether you're expecting wonderful Christmas gifts, or you're a giver of hope and you're stressed out thinking about Christmas plans and all of those things, uh, it is really stressful to wait for the last second to order a Christmas gift, by the way. 
So uh, here's my little bit of practical advice. Start now <laughs> before it's too late. Um, but I, I believe that it is a season where we are in uh, a discipline of practicing hope. We are in a discipline of practicing hope. And how appropriate is it for us to do that right now in a year where I feel like we've just experienced so much disappointment, right? Um, the thing with worldly hope and disappointment is that when people feel disappointed and uh, they're offered hope, it kind of goes one of two ways, right? Uh, the first way is our guards are so high where we don't want to experience disappointment again. We have stats, we have numbers, we look at somebody's character history before we decide to put our chips in the basket. Or the opposite is we just accept everything as hope. Um, and sometimes it just flies over our head, and sometimes it doesn't really mean us, but we're trying to receive everything that we can, and it's because we absolutely need hope as people. Regardless of whether we're Christian or not, hope is something that our hearts need. And uh, that's one of the things that I always respected about Hope Church. Every Christmas year, and uh, I've said this when I got ordained, but I've always viewed Hope Church as like the bigger brother to me. Uh, growing up in this area, I've always seen Hope do wonderful things. And one of the things that I really respected was that Hope, uh, every Christmas, went to the hospital to sing carols, um, pray for people. Some people were happy to, for, that we were there. Some people looked like they were annoyed that we were singing. Some people probably thought we were singing too loud. Whatever reason it is. But I loved the fact that we got to practice being agents of Hope. We got to become distributors of Hope. I feel like God wants us to bring us back into that place. I feel like God wants us to hope again, to be recipients of God's hope and to be givers of God's hope. So I'm going to try to tie in everything together. There's a lot of biblical text I'm going to look at, but let's look at the first one. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. And when, when I was in seminary, um, there was a class called hermeneutics, it's a really fancy way of saying that you're just studying truth and how to extract truth for all that it is. And if you're a nerd like me, I love it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 says this. My word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And that thing succeed is like a word for victor, victory, like as if it accomplished and won a battle, right? God's word to us is just as good as his action. There's a book uh, that I read, Tim Timothy Ward, he says this. Let me find that quote. I think, uh, there it is, right there. To say of God that he spoke, and to say of God that he did something, is often one of the same thing. Let's look at some scriptural examples of that. Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He said it, and the action happened. Genesis 1 verse 9, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. So God said this, and it happened right afterwards. Genesis chapter 3, I'm not going to uh, read everything, but that's the chapter where God begins to determine what the judgment over Adam and Eve and the serpent was going to be. And at, right after he said it, it was as if it already took place. God's word in our lives is just as good as his action. And 2020 has been one of those years um, where I think I can honestly say uh, I've really wrestled with 
how to hear God's voice. Um, I remember in 2019, a lot of people were prophesying, uh, saying things that 2020 was going to be, be a year where God returns 2020 vision for the church. And I remember January through October, I was like, what? <laughs> what 2020 vision are we talking about? And so I really wrestled with this, and I prayed about it, and I felt like God said, you didn't hear wrong. And I felt like God also said this, and uh, I, I say this in a way where um, don't take it for face value, take it back to the prayer closet and pray, pray it out with God. I felt like God said, hindsight is 2020. And I felt like God said, when you look back at 2020, you'll see my fingerprints, but you'll have to look back and see it. God's word in our lives is just as good as his action. That's why his promises are so important. That's why it is super important for us to make sure that we don't lie. <laughs> this is just a little plug there. Um, if you could get to that slide, Andrew, I, I know I'm jumping a little bit around the place. There's a, there's a passage in Proverbs that says um, that he hates falsehood. Proverbs 12.22, the Lord hates lying lips, but those who speak truth are his joy. And the reason why is because of that very reason. When he says something, he means it, and because he means it, he does it. His promise and his word over you is just as good as his action. Let's, let's look at some more examples. Um, let's go into the New Testament. The New Testament has a lot of examples of how uh, God spoke something and it came into being. And this is the main text for today. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he came and when he returned to Capernaum, he being Jesus, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let him down the bed on which the paralytic lie. Well, uh, that's quite the picture, right? Uh, they removed the roof and they brought someone down to Jesus so that Jesus could have an encounter with this person, right? Let's keep reading verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now remember, what God says is just as good as his action, right? So uh, keep that in mind as we keep going. Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioned what Jesus said, and they were questioning in his heart, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right? I, I think they understood that the character and nature of God is that when he says something, it happens. So uh, the fact that Jesus was saying something, the people who were watching him were very careful about it. I think it is a legitimate concern to see a human being say that I forgive your sins. Right? It's a legitimate concern. Okay? And this is what Jesus said, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, 
we never saw anything like this. The accusation of, well, that's pretty cool. Must be the power of God, I don't know. Um, the accusation against Jesus for saying that he forgave someone is a legitimate accusation. Uh, in church history, a quick lesson. The Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, and uh, the whole Reformation that spun out of the Catholic Church began because there was a lot of corruption. And uh, I have friends who have ministered in Catholic churches. God is moving in the Catholic churches. Uh, I heard a few years ago that my friend went to a youth group in the Catholic Church and Holy Spirit was like encountering these people. So I love what God is doing in the Catholic Church. I, I really believe um, God is with that church. Uh, God is moving powerfully in the Catholic Church. But um, in history, the reason why the Protestant Reformation was sparked was because there was a lot of corruption in the Catholic Church. Part of that corruption was that uh, priests and leaders of the church were saying that they were actually selling forgiveness and pardon. Right? If you want forgiveness for your sins, you can confess it, but if you pay me a little bit or tithe a little bit more, I can forgive you of your sins. Right? And then spinning out of that was the Protestant Reformation saying that God alone can forgive. In Christ alone, in the sovereignty and by the grace of God alone do we find forgiveness. If there's anything missing there, Pastor Kim and Pastor Mimi, please feel free to uh, talk to everyone else afterwards. But that is how I understand it. So when Jesus forgave, it was a legitimate concern. And yet Jesus said this, which is easier for me to say, that you're forgiven or that you're healed? And so he did both. And all he had to do was speak it into motion, and he spoke it, and it happened. What does that mean for us today? I believe that um, we've kind of gotten into 2020, uh, and if you're like me, you're kind of a little bit more calculated about some of the things that you're hearing. Even in the prayer closet, I've been a little bit more cautious, asking God, like, God, what is it that you have for me? And then asking again, making sure that this is really God and having it confirmed by 15 different people, right? Um, I believe that we are called to dream and hope radically in who God is again. I believe that there were words that God spoke to us about 2020 that we've kind of hung up, we've put it on the shelf, and I believe God wants to breathe life on those words again. There are certain things that God spoke to me in 2020. doesn't look like how I thought it would look like. But because God spoke it, I'm waiting for it to happen. Here, here's another quote that I love. It's by the same author, Timothy Ward. He says this, to disobey the words of God speaks, to disobey the words God speaks is simply to disobey God himself. And to refuse to submit to the commands God utters is simply to break one's relationship with him. And what he's saying here is this main point, that communication from God is communion with God. Hearing his words speak is to be in relationship with God. Amen. And so the things that we're hearing as we're praying and seeking his face, the things that you hear are indicative of your communion with him. Let's keep going a little bit. Uh, what does this mean for us today? It also means for us walking this out with people. It means that we walk in truth. Like I mentioned before, falsehood is against the nature of God. 
Because for God to say something is the same thing as him doing it. And so for us as people, we are called to walk in truth. I remember um, I went to a church in New York several years ago. Pastor Danny was actually the one preaching that day. Um, long, long time ago. But I, I, I won't forget the sermon. Because I think he's the first one who said this. He said, for Christians, it is not okay to lie even a little bit. Even a little bit. Even if it's good intent, a little bit of lie is still unacceptable. I remember walking away. I was like, I've never heard someone say that, but how true is it? And it's because it's not who God is, right? Uh, Let's keep going. What does this mean for us today? It means that we are not to give up on the words that he's spoken over us. We are not to give up. The final thing is this, if you could go to the next slide, Andrew. We do this together. Uh, I know... Um, a lot of times we, we do prophetic ministry together, and I, I believe wholeheartedly we're supposed to do it together. I believe it kind of keeps us in check from hearing some wacky things. Um, I believe we're meant to speak over each other, speak life into each other, uh, even declaring things that God has for us. We're called to do it together. We've never been meant to do it alone. Um, also because we are so prone to hear the wrong thing. We are prone to do it, but when we're together, there's a guardrail for that. Um, I I hang on this. When we're together and we receive prophetic words together, it's okay to mess up. And the reason for that is because God is way better at communicating to us than we are at listening. And with people, he does it so much better and so much easier. Um, Do you guys know this saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That does not apply to the church. (laughs) Words are real. Truth is real. It is the substance of God. It is the action of God. Um, For those of you who are somewhat thinking, like, how how do I even begin to hear the voice of God? Uh, Some of you guys may not have heard it in a long time. Um, There have been seasons in my life where I, I haven't really audibly heard anything, and I really needed to pray through things. I needed people to walk with me through certain seasons. Those seasons come and go. They, they happen. Uh, but one of the ways that we hear God is actually by tuning into the voice that's already been speaking to you. Uh, here's a story of one of the youth students that I um, walked with back in 2014, 15. It's been some time. But I remember taking her and a few of my leaders to a seminar at a different church. And I remember encouraging them to pray and hear what God has to say. Like, what does God want to do? Like, what does God want you to speak to a certain person, ask for names, ask for certain things? And this was the first time this, this group of youth leaders had ever even heard of something like this. And so they were all a little bit like, uh, I don't really know. And so I asked them, like, what did you hear? And they were like, I don't know, did you hear something? And they're pointing at each other, and they're like, I didn't really hear anything. Uh, so it was one of those ministry trips, and I remember thinking to myself, man, it's going to be a rough one. But uh, we walk into the seminar, and uh, I give the seminar I'm speaking, and on this side of the room, I see one of my youth leaders, and she's crying. <laughs> I'm like, this is not the time to cry during the seminar. Like, it has nothing to do with any emotional thing. It's a very, very dry church history, revival history lesson. So there's no reason for her to be crying. Like, what is she crying about? Um, and so she's crying, and I'm like really puzzled, but I keep giving the, uh, 
the, the seminar, and I go about 20, 30 minutes more, um, and then we do our ministry, we pray for people and things like that, and then so I finally walk up to her, and I'm like, why are you crying? Like, what happened? Like, did God do something? Like, what, what happened? And so she said, I didn't want to say it to you before because um, I, I don't know what I'm thinking, right? And she said that when we prayed together and asked God for words of what God wanted to do, she said she heard the name Hannah. Not my wife, Hannah, but she said she heard the name Hannah. We also had a youth leader named Hannah at the time. And so she was like, am I supposed to, like, she, she dismissed it as her own thought. She said, it's because, like, I'm friends with this Hannah that I'm hearing Hannah. She was like, this can't be God. And so uh, the reason why she started crying was because right as the seminar was kicking into gear, she looked over at the name tag right next to her, and sure enough, her name was Hannah. And so she started crying, and then I was like, well, did you pray for her? She was like, no, I didn't pray for her. And I was like, no, (laughs) why didn't you pray for her? But for her, she was so caught in the moment. And she said these words that I think apply to all of us. She said this, this is the same voice that I've been hearing all my life. I didn't know it was God. God is speaking to every single one of us. He has been for the beginning of time. Nothing surprises God, right? It it doesn't surprise, 2020 didn't surprise God. Let's, Let's be mindful of that. 2020 didn't kick God off of his throne. 2020 doesn't stress God out the way it stresses us out. He's known 2020 before the beginning of time. He's known that we were going to be here before the beginning of time. And he's been speaking to us even before time began. He's been speaking to this world. He's been speaking to all of his sons and daughters. And it's time for us to believe it again. It's time for us to believe that he's speaking. The same voice that we've been hearing all of our lives, the voice of love and of truth, It's his voice. And again, do it in community. Bring it back to the Lord. Really dig into hearing his voice together. I believe that this is what God wants us to do, especially in this Christmas season. Uh, Here's another quote that I love from Matt Chandler. He says this, Where you place your hope is directly tied to your joy. Where you place your hope is directly tied to your joy. So as we kick off this Advent season, as we kick off this Christmas season, as we roll into the last month of 2020, where we place our hope will be directly tied to our joy. My challenge for us as a church and as families, even for me and Hannah as as a married couple and uh, all of your life groups, all of your different ministries, my challenge is let's place our hope where our joy will be on the other side. And our joy is Christ. And let's hear from the Lord again, knowing that when we hear his voice, it's just as good as his action. Amen? Um, I know 2020 has been such a wild, wild year. And I confess, there have been moments where I was like, I'm a little bit afraid to hope again. Because I'm afraid of disappointment. We're, We're all that way. It's time to kick disappointment out. It is absolutely time to kick this appointment out. I believe in 2021, we'll look back at 2020 and say hindsight is 2020. And we will see, we will absolutely see God's fingerprints all over this year. We will see the grace of God and the goodness of God in every area of 2020. Right now, we're seeing a ton of bad news. But when we spend time with him, we will hear his voice and we will see 
that he was not that worried about 2020. Amen? Uh, so I want to pray for us really quick. Um, and I'll close us with this before I pray. Actually, I forgot one more example, so I'm going to say it. Yeah, if the worship team could also come up. Um, when we hope in the Lord, and when we put our hope in the things that are directly tied to our joy, like I mentioned before, um, it reminded me of this rest stop on 95. I think a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. Every time I go up to Philly or New York or towards that general vicinity, there is this rest stop in the middle of that turnpike that we have to go to. <laughs> it's like the best rest stop, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It has like a Burger King, it has Starbucks, it has everything. There, there's a food court in that rest stop. There's a newspaper stand. The bathrooms are nice, hallelujah, in a rest stop, right? That rest stop is the best rest stop on the East Coast. Unless someone changes my mind, to me, that is the best rest stop on the East Coast. But how ridiculous would it be for me and Hannah, and maybe with Nava Ministry, we decide to say, hey, we're going to take a trip to the rest stop. And we go to the rest stop, and we're like, this is the best rest stop ever. We eat at Burger King, we use the bathroom, we, we buy some newspapers, and we hang out there for a few hours, and we're like, this trip, this trip is complete. We can go back home now. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous, right? You only go to the rest stop because you're trying to get to somewhere else, right? Th this is the perspective that we have at the church that we need to share with other people. And I got to tie it in missionally because this is how my brain always functions. There are a lot of people, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, their hope ends at the rest stop. It does not take them to their final destination. It does not take them to the calling that God has on their life, the God-given mandate for their life. They don't see it because their vision only goes up until the rest stop. And so for them, this season of hope, the season of Christmas, is just another year of getting gifts, giving gifts, meeting with family, with friends, getting nice things, maybe not getting nice things, getting in fights with different people, getting stressed out because they didn't buy these Christmas gifts, but it ends there and 2021 comes again and they repeat that cycle all over again. But for us, we don't stop at the rest stop. We know where we're going. We have a calling and we have a destination that we need to go to. For us as a church, as we hear from the Lord, let's reassess our final destination. Where are we going? Where are we called to go? And what are the things in our lives that are just temporal rest stops? We're just there. It's nice to enjoy it, but, you know, we're not taking that with us. That's not the final destination. Like, we might have a nice house. We might have a nice place to stay. We might have a nice job. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is blessing our business. Awesome. That's not our final destination. Right. And that's hope in the thing that we cannot see, which is in Christ Jesus. And let's share that with others because there are people who don't, know that there is a destination better than the rest stop. They need to know it. Uh, I, I love, I never thought growing up that I would actually work in an office. But man, it has been such a joy to share the gospel with some of these people. Um, some of these people, like, they don't understand church at all. 
they don't understand, or some of them think they understand because they watch a lot of news. And uh, I, I'll never forget this one coworker. We're talking, we're hanging out, and she's like trusting me with certain things, and we're like kicking it. And then out of nowhere, she starts talking about like her um, her identity, quote unquote, her identity. And she wasn't heterosexual, so I'll leave it at that. And then whatever you guys want to do with that, right? Um, she was a woman who did not like men romantically. There was no romantic interest at all. So she was sharing about this. And I remember thinking, I was like, okay, what do I do? Do I love her? How do I love her? What's the best way to witness to her? So I just keep loving her, keep hanging out. We, we like get coffee. We laugh while we're doing work. We have another coworker there. We're hanging out. Um, and she said this. This was pretty funny. There was someone who was looking for me in the office. And they're like, who is Jason? She goes, oh, that's the happy guy. Just go look for a happy guy. And I was like, man, that's Jesus right there. Like, I'm doing it. This is the mission. And then so uh, we're talking a little bit more. And then she starts talking about her family and why she's back in this area. Her dad's dying. He's sick. She would rather be in San Diego with her significant other and things like that. And it's been a really rough year. And then I tell her, I was like, hey, can I pray for you? And she's like, okay. And then she goes, wait, what are you? (laughs) And then so I tell her, like, okay, I'm a pastor. I'm actually studying to be a pastor. I wasn't a pastor at the time. And then she freezes because everything she thinks she knows about Christianity and about God and about how God feels about certain things and certain sins is coming up to the surface and she freezes and she doesn't know what to do because she's told me a lot of things that she would probably never tell a pastor. And so she's like frozen. She was like, did you you hear what I said? I said, yeah, I heard it. And we kept going casually, and after a while, she kind of eased up a little bit. People need that hope. Man, people need that hope. There are people in your offices, there are people that you know, they need that hope. They need to know that God is a promise keeper. They need to know that there is a destination after the rest stop. It's a little bit intense for me to say it but I'm going to say it. might not even be theologically correct, but I'm going to say it. If we don't tell them, who will? If we don't share the good news to them, who will? I'm in a unique opportunity again where I have new coworkers and I'm beginning to build a relationship with them. And I haven't told them that I'm a pastor yet, but I'm waiting for them to find out. And I'll tell you how they react because it's always fun to me. I love how people react. Um, Pastor Mimi shared this one time where she's like, every time she tells someone at an airplane that she's a pastor, they start confessing their baggage like, oh, I haven't been to church in so many years. This is true. (laughs) This happens to me on the airplane too. But let's give people that encounter with God and let them know that there's a Father who loves them and that there's a hope for them. Amen? I'll pray for us and uh, we'll sing a song and tie this thing up together. Father, we love you. God, we come and we are so thankful that we have a hope in you that does not fade, that does not perish. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are on your throne. And I thank you, Lord, that even though there were times when I've panicked in my own heart, you've never touched the panic button. You have never been stressed out. God, you are the most confident man that I know. 
and in a year where we've seen so many things, quote-unquote, go wrong, I thank you, Lord, that you're truly giving us 2020 vision. It might not be the 2020 vision that we thought, but we can see you, the confident one who's still on his throne. Amen. 2020 never kicked you off your throne, God. It never surprised you. It didn't catch you off guard. And so we lean into you, God. And we ask you for this season of Advent, would you give us an extra dose of hope, God? This season, would you give us an exceedingly abundant amount of hope in our hearts? And would you do it through us and do it in us together with our families and our ministries? And would it exude into the workplace where people, when they, they want to know who we are, they can just point to the happy person who's filled with hope in the office? God, I ask you, Lord, that you would give us that hope. And would you plumb line our hearts into the gospel, the good news of who you are. And so we say that we love you, God. We love you. We love you. You are perfect and wonderful in all of your ways. In Jesus' name.